Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. All right, let's turn in our Bibles quickly, and we'll get back to Ephesians. That's the book we're in right now. But I wanted to share something with you uh, real quick um, out of uh, Luke 14. Um, <clears throat> so as you turn into Luke for chapter 14, um, the, the kingdom of God has, has a, a rhythm. The kingdom of God has a language. The kingdom of God has a certain grace about it. And it's the same thing that we have to implement in our own lives uh, relative to more than anything else. Uh, we talked about it last week. We talked about what uh, well, we talked about with our youth on Sunday. What domain do you live in? And we all have our, our domains. I have a Logan domain, uh, and if we called out everyone's last name, everyone has a domain in which they live, um, and that's where we have dominion. That's where our domain. Um, the challenge in life is when two domains come together, and one domain must surrender or give up to the other domain, and if that doesn't happen, then there's conflict. And so sometimes we, we try to take our domain, the way we've been taught to live within our domain, into the kingdom, into the kingdom of God. And it doesn't work that way. Um, God's dominion, God's reign, reigns over everything else. And it must be first place. And so in Luke 14, there's several things that just caught my attention as of late that I felt like we needed to make a little a detour. And then we'll get back to Ephesians uh, possibly tonight, but uh, definitely uh, the next time, hopefully the next time we come in. So, so he, listen to Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. And, and let's see if your kingdom, if your domain and his domain match. Because inevitably, we, if we're going to be successful in the kingdom of God, we're going to have to allow his kingdom to dominate and to reign over ours. One of the scriptures um, we were reading uh, uh, in our devotional this week with, uh, with uh, Mr. Lee and Jackie during our, our devotional time we have on Tuesday mornings, and we, we talked about what Jesus said this. He said um, that if that any kingdom, any domain divided against itself, any kingdom that has a civil war will eventually and inevitably fall apart and he was saying that uh, he was talking about them um, the the people uh, the Pharisees saying that you're you're of the devil and Jesus said no if, if I were of the devil then the devil is fighting against himself and anywhere there's a civil war a civil disobedience against one another that kingdom cannot stand so if two people are, are in in a particular uh, domain for instance, the Logan domain, and let's say that uh, Wayne and Lily and Logan, they have their domain, and let's say that within that domain there's a civil war. They're battling with one another. It says that that, that domain will not stand. It, it won't stand. But here's the key is that he says any, any domain divided against itself, any domain that fights against itself 
civilly will not stand. It cannot stand. And so what am I saying here? I'm saying that, that God has a domain and he wishes to dominate over and reign over all other domains. And our domain has to surrender to his domain for us to get the benefits of it. And there are certain things within his domain that we need to, and I think Jesus teaches to it over, over and over again uh, in the kingdom of God. And in verse 7, it says, Luke 14, 7 says, When Jesus knows, noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head table, he gave them this advice, Jesus speaking. He says, When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit at the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you also has also been invited? The host will come and say, give the person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the front of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when you, your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then he will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. That's a law. That's a principle. That's a law that governs the kingdom. Anyone who seeks to put themselves first will eventually be humbled. That should be a very sobering thought to all of us. If we seek to put ourselves first, I got to have my way. I got to do it this way. I got to want to. Do. He says anyone who will do that, they will be humbled. Think about that for just for a minute. Anyone who says, I'm going to, I got to, I'm going to, you're going to, he says, you, we, that person will eventually be humbled. Circumstances will humble us. Situations will humble us. So he says, if you, the language of the kingdom is this, is that we would, we would do this. He says, but for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves, listen, listen to this right here. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who humble themselves, those who look out for others, those who put themselves last, he says, those people will be humbled. That's the way the kingdom operates. That's not the kingdom, that's not the way the world operates. And so the culture of this world will teach us something very differently. Watch out for yourself. You, you, can be, you better watch out. Make sure that no one gets ahead of you. Make sure nothing goes on. That's worldly thinking. That's carnal thinking. God wants us to look out and to put others first. To watch out for them. He said, and if we will, if we will take a step back, he says, we will be exalted. There's nothing wrong with, notice he didn't say that there's anything wrong with sitting at the front seat. He says, just don't you put yourself in the front seat. Don't you work so hard. Don't let us work so hard to be number one. God will make us number one. We need to get out of the mix. And then he goes on. This is, that was one, that's just one little, little thing. Then he says, and this is where we want to reveal on the, these next few scriptures. He says, then he turned to his host, and when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back. They will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. 
He's talking about hospitality here. Now, when we think of hospitality, we think about inviting our friends over and being hospitable to them, right? I mean, being, some, you know, being hospitable to those who, who we like, those who are our friends, so on, so, so on and so forth. He said, but really in the context of this speaking up here, hospitality is for those who are strangers, those you don't know anything about. That's what true hospitality is all about. That's the way the kingdom operates. Not for someone that's going to repay us something, or thank you, or, you know, let me, let me do you a favor in return. He says true hospitality is that what we do for strangers. What would we do for those who cannot repay us in any way? That's how we take on a kingdom, kingdom mindset. Secondly, the last thing here, and then we'll move on. Verse 15. He says, here in this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attempt to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Now, what would be wrong with that? What would be wrong with that? Is there anything? Is that a legitimate reason? Yeah, it's a legitimate, isn't it? I just, bought, I, did, I just bought a piece of property, and I need to go and take care of it. I need to inspect it. There's nothing wrong with that, right? That, is it, would that be important? I'm, I'm talking. Right. Would that be important? Would it be important to go and, and take care of some business? It would be, wouldn't it not? Yeah, it, it, that would be important, right? But they began to making, uh, <clears throat> let's see, see, see. And he says, please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Is that important? They're living in an agrarian society. Five pair of oxen, would that be important? If you were an agrarian, if you had five oxen that you just bought, and they were part of your way of making money, would that not be important? Yes, it would, right? So he says, please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Is that important? I said, is that important? It is important. No doubt about it. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys to to the town to invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come. So that that house will be full. That for none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. What is, what is the story here? What is Jesus trying to say in this, in this uh, parable? I think he's saying there's nothing more important than his kingdom. I think he's saying that we need to prioritize and make number one the kingdom of God. His business. That nothing else is more important. I know I've made excuses before. 
I've had reasons that were not legitimate. Now, I'm not saying that he's saying that there's never a reason to not put, or there's never a reason, well, I, I am saying this, there's never a reason to put, to not put the kingdom of God first. But I'm not saying that there is not reasons for us to sometimes miss things, sometimes not be a part of things, but always make sure that the reason is not that that which we are doing was more important than the kingdom of God. I, I think right now, especially in time in which we're living, especially in these United States of America, that, that God is somewhat furious with our, with our busyness. I, I believe that God is somewhat, somewhat perturbed with how many things we put before him. How many things that we have excuses for that say, well, that's just not, and I'm not just, I'm not, sometimes we relate that to going to church. I'm not talking about church necessarily, even though that could be a part of it. I'm talking about his way of doing and being, his way of operating, prioritizing him in every aspect of our life, making him number one, giving no excuses for it. In a culture that will allow us to kind of think that there's so many other things that, that are seemingly important, there's nothing more important than God's word. Not even sleep. Not even work. Nothing. And yet we, give, we legitimize so many things. We legitimize them by their, their seeming importance. And it's not that they're not important but they're not as important as the things of God. Let's continue reading here because he's trying to really make a strong point here. He said, he's saying basically that there are some people that will prize this. There are some people that really like, we, I really want to, I, I need help. I need to put this kingdom first. Listen. Verse 25, a large crowd was following Jesus. And he turned around and he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, let me see, how many of you want to be his disciple? That's really a loaded question. When I ask that question, how many of you want to be his disciple? I want you to rethink your answer in just a minute. Because I want, I want to show you what it's going to cost you. If you truly want to be his disciple. I'm speaking to myself as well. So the large crowd was following Jesus and he turned around and he said to them, if, any, if you want to be my disciple, you must be, by, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. So let me ask that, that question one more time. Don't raise your hands. 
See, we love to hear about the provisions. We love to hear about faith. We love to hear about how to receive things from God. But do we really want to know how to be his disciple? A true follower. A lot of people want to say, gimme, gimme, gimme. I want, I want, I want, I want. But I'm not certain that everyone wants to be a disciple. Because to be his disciple is to immediately put ourselves in conflict with anything that is not going his way. Even, even ourselves. We should have conflict. I should have conflict with George Logan. There should be battles going on where, where I'm telling George, you know, what to do and where to do it and where to go. That you're not in control here. We, we are you know, on the subject of, of, of um, baseball. Um, yeah, I know. On the subject of baseball, uh, we, had to, we, had to, uh, we had to bench one of our best players before the game. And then we had to bench another player during the game, two of our best players. And one of them decided that he wasn't going to, he didn't want to cooperate the game before. So we said, well, you're not going to start this game. And we really needed him. And eventually he got into the game, but we wanted to teach him a lesson that if you want to be on this team, if you want to be a disciple, you got to decide you want to do it our way. And so he had to sit down for the first couple of innings. But when he came out and played, he played well. He, he pitched, he did a good job, he really got us to win tonight. But there was something, we had to let him know that he was not, as self, self was not bigger than the team. And then other, one of our best players, he just, he just had a meltdown. I mean, just lost it. And so, head coach said, well, we're going to get someone in there. We, get, we don't have subs. I mean, when I say we don't have some, we don't have our replacements are. They're, they're, they're just, it's kind of tough, but, but they do hard. They work hard, but it's, it's a real big drop. So we had to put one of those young men in, and, and we still got the victory. But the thing is, what I, what I want us to see is that it, it's, it's God's way or no way. See, there's, there's, there's a mindset that we can, we can, listen, listen, part obedience is whole disobedience. Did you hear what I said? If I, well, I did half of it, I did a little bit of it. I mean, I did pretty good. I mean, there's a guy in the Bible that did that, Saul. He, he did everything except what? Yeah, he was supposed to take, kill the, the opposing king. He didn't do it. So was he obedient? No, he wasn't obedient. Even though he did everything else, he didn't do everything. And even sometimes, um, you know, when it talks about, uh, let, me, let me get back to the scripture. It says, 
Yes, even your own life. Uh, otherwise, you cannot be my disciples. And, do, and you, if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciples. So when it talks about our own life, everything that we have learned in our domain must be and must be surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. Anything that we've learned in our spheres, the way we do that is we give up our own way. We, okay, that's not the right way. That's not the right way of thinking. That's not the right attitude. That's not the right way of doing. That's not the right way of, that, that I shouldn't have resentment. I shouldn't be carrying some of these things. He says every single thing that does not, does not follow along with his way, we have to choose to abandon it. And sometimes it's even, as he shows here, even if there's relatives, family members, children that will cause us to depart from the way, it is better, it is better to do it his way than to side with them. Now, I'm not saying this, he's saying this. He says, but don't begin, verse 28, but don't begin until you count the cost. Well, who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of the money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say there is the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, and he, and if he will send a, a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. How many of you want to be his disciple? Are you ready to give up that old hateful attitude are you ready to give up selfishness are you ready to give up uh, things see he says count the cost what is the cost what's the cost of being his disciple everything everything and it's an ongoing you know here's what I found out about the little bit of renovations we've done on our house recently is it it is ongoing cost. You think, you, you think it's going to be that amount? No, it's not going to be that amount. It's going to be that amount plus this amount plus this amount. Because you got to add on stuff. Right? I mean, when Joe was doing some work for me, uh, it, it, there was one thing, and then he said, well, you need to go to Lowe's and get something else. Right, Joe? I mean, it's something else. And then, then something else and, and something else. In other words, we have to be willing in this walk with Christ to constantly give up stuff. constantly give up but the replacement is, is so great what we gain in return does is no comparison to what we are giving up he says I want everything I want everything I want it all I want it all and the way we learn how to do that is by practicing denial of self that's why fasting is so important Fasting positions us, it humbles us to put things, other things first, to be willing to give something up. I would submit to you that daily 
or not daily, at least maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks or so, that you do something that you are relative to food and drink or whatever, say, nah, I'm not going to. I'm going to forego that for the day. I'm not going to treat myself to everything. So that we have a habit of giving something up for something greater. So that the lesser die so that the greater might what? Live. Let the lesser die so that the greater might live. What do we get in exchange of giving, giving everything up? Well, can you find anything as good as Jesus, as good as the anointing of God? There's no replacement for it. And so tonight I just wanted to kind of whet our, our, our appetite for more. Just whet our appetite and how do we, how do we get more? Because we do want more. I want more. But I want more of the right thing. And I know I need less of George to get more of the right thing. And to challenge myself in those areas where I see myself compromising, where I see myself uh, unwilling to let go of something. And I ch challenge all of us this evening to do the same thing, to, to find out what, is it, what, is, what are the things in my life that I need to learn how to, to let go of. Do I have to have my own way? Do I have to be right all the time? Is it always important for me to be seen? There's a scripture we looked at it earlier this week, um, and I think it's in 1 Samuel. It talks about that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And what is it? Stubbornness is as a sin or as iniquity and what is it? Iniquity and idolatry. And see, the way we get beyond all of that is learning how to give up, putting ourselves behind. Step, step back. I need to keep my mouth shut right now. I don't need to say a word. I need to keep my opinion out of this. And simply, what, what, is, what is witchcraft? Witchcraft is simply wanting my own way and doing anything necessary to manipulate to get it. That's putting self first. And so Jesus says, here's how we keep all of those idolatry out of it. Here's how we keep ourselves in check is by living a lifestyle of putting others first. How do I do that? It might be washing dishes around the house. Amen? It is those things, I, mean, I don't want to. Well, that might be something you just, you just need to do. When we do that, we keep ourselves. Let me just say this. Going to back to that scripture again. I used to think witchcraft was voodoo, you know, casting. 
No, it, it's, just, it's just a work of the flesh that is seeking to manipulate to get its own way. And that's why the scriptures here that we just read says everything was about doing the opposite of that, right? <laughs> right? And what if we practice that? What if we started practicing putting, putting others first? Because even sometimes the good things we do are for the purposes of a pat on the back. In other words, we're getting something out of it. But he says the kingdom is not like that. The kingdom of God is far different than that. I believe we could turn things around, all the way around, if we adopted his mindset. Think about it. The greatest example that we have of that is Jesus himself. And he said, you know, not what? Not my will, but thy will be done. Lord, if it is possible for this cup to pass, I sure would like for it to happen. But not my will, but thy will be done. And because he humbled himself to the cross, he was exalted. I don't know about anyone else, but I, I, I seek to practice that. By the help of the Spirit of God, God, help me, help George Logan to practice, practice, practice taking the lower road. Practice putting others first. Practice putting the things of the kingdom of God first. Not be consumed with what and how it's going to work out for me. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.